Welcome back to another This Is Hardcore podcast. No guests tonight. Shorter John, quick one. Trying to stay with the program here. Uh, obviously, for those who do not know or hadn't listened to the last two, um, caught my finger at work, got some infection in it on top of I've already had 10 stitches. So it's been a little bit of touch and go with the finger some days I come home and I got all the strength in the world and I'm ready to knock out f- fucking 50 emails and calls and there's days where I come home and I'm just fucking wiped. Played hit or <laughs> touch or go with the uh, couple people on the telephone. Try to get an interview over the weekend and Monday seemed like the best day but it just didn't work out. And we got gifted by the Twitter gods on this one that we had so much ripe fertile information which i know you people love love hearing the entire discourse on the thing the thing that everyone loves talking about on twitter to make themselves feel like they are special or that they are doing the lord's work playing these rock concerts just to be attacked with the merch cuts again I, i don't i don't get it i don't get the point of going to social media complaining about having to pay money and the simple thing is is the last one i don't even know the band i i don't know of the band i know i saw the name of the band i saw the at i don't it's sort of irrelevant the, the story is the same band wants to tour people in the band want to make a living being musicians they want to expand beyond playing small rooms that offer the side cut away from merch cuts because they know the only way to be professional musicians is to work within the corporate structure that is AG and Live Nation and everything else that comes down in the gamut of becoming a real band. Not No diss in any way to a band that is completely happy with the DIY spaces and there's decades and decades of bands who, you know shortcut step around the merch cuts by not playing those kind of rooms etc but you know a lot of the people today that are tied into our scene want to kind of walk two dogs with one leash now the person complaining on twitter did not really come from our world but it always shows back up in the, the feed right so you got a bunch of people in hardcore who are on top of the top of the world you don't see them on the Twitter complaining. Well, we had to pay a merch cut today because it, it's beyond them. I, I'm 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 making a good joke, but you know when you start playing stadiums, like I, I'm a big Iron Maiden head, so when Iron Maiden comes through, you know there's the circular stadium setup. So it's not just one merch area. It's probably like six, maybe five. I don't know. It's a fucking lot. And, and, you know, they're selling $60 long sleeves and $80 hoodies. It's fucking ab- <laughs> insane how much some of this maiden shit goes for. You don't think that backstage, <laughs> Steve Harris and them are bitching about the merch cut. Because they're fucking loaded. And they've been doing this shit for fucking almost 50 years. And and I and I and I think that Maiden's a really good a bar to lay lay in front of us. Like, if you want to be a rock person, 
You know, you want to be an art person. You want to be a rocker who is already whatever whatever the mix or flow is. You have to accept that being professional is what you're trying to say. But you don't want to admit that you want to be a professional. You want to be acknowledged. You want to be accepted. You want to be lauded. You want to be acclaimed artist. But really, you know, to do a band at the level to be professional, you have to be a fucking pro. Uh, And that includes getting up every day, putting time to the work, time to the, the communications, and then do the damn thing when you're on this tour. And if, if on tour you're playing these shows and this merch cut is so much of a fiscal problem, then you're playing the wrong rooms or you're, or you're doing something wrong. Plain and fucking simple. But, but in our core world... There's just like this, like walking two dogs on one leash bullshit that's just got to stop where people are like, yeah, it's fucking bullshit. It shouldn't happen. Yeah, there's a lot of shit shouldn't happen. You know, we got, and I say this because I'm able to and not because I'm trying to, you know, pussyfoot around it. I'm saying this because it, it, it needs to be said. You know, we've got friends in bands who are sponsored by energy drinks. We've got friends in bands who have fucking Taco Bell giving tickets away for shows. We have friends in bands who had sponsorships with every kind of liquor, beer, whatever, and that'll come down the line later. And the fucking world still turns. Now, what happens in these merch cut arguments is like, it's just fucking bullshit. Why don't we get a piece of the bar? But a fucking promoter now... In in a regular fashion, for long enough to know that one of the worst things you can do in the venue promoter show world is start asking for revenue from the bar. It's kind of like you know I I rather the fucking club say you keep the door we keep the bar and not, let's not talk about who who made what here. That would be the fucking best way to do it. And a lot of times, the old school ways, that's what the fuck it is. Don't tell me about your bar. You don't worry about my fucking door and who I'm paying the bands to. That's the best. But but what happens is, is people laud themselves looking for he, uh, people to jump on their, jump on their Twitter side. Like, they're going to go to the next show and say, hey, see, we had 300 people like this tweet that says, it should be okay for us. To not pay merch cuts, bro. And the guy's gonna go, well, yeah, I, I, yeah. There's a Twitter band that just played here last week that 1,200 likes, and they still had to pay the fucking cut. Deal with it. And I'm on emails from time to time, not as much as like an every week thing, but there's a couple of shows we do with these uh, in co-promotion settings where bands we work with play to bigger rooms, and you see, or I've seen, so I can speak to you. And we see, we, meaning I telling you, we see how a negotiation is made. So the band acquiesced for no merch cuts. And then the promoter says, we can do this, but we're going to need you to do this. And then the agent says, well, yeah, my band really doesn't want merch cuts. So let's make this happen. I don't think everybody's in the same fucking the situation. So, I, I you know, I, I, I want to sometimes... 
when I see these fucking things, go, how many fucking people are you playing for? Because in these 1,200 to 2,500 rooms, it, it seems like this merch cut thing is just a matter of how well your agent navigates the fucking rough seas of the bigger world of booking shit. And and why do I have to see this quarterly? <laughs> you know, why am I seeing another fucking band pontificate and act like it's like they're like this is just destroying them financially. Yo, you know what destroyed all of my bands financially was us A not being good. B not knowing how to manage our money. And C not being smart enough to make a shit ton of merch back when there was no merch cuts. <laughs> no, I mean seriously, like you know, um, in this modern age where everybody tours in a dope vehicle, everyone's got a trailer, everyone has that fucking merch kiosk with the fucking iPad, and you know, they're oh, everyone wants the, the the Wi-Fi code and shit. You know, you guys are pretty fucking high tech, and you guys are so far ahead. And there's so much more bitching on the internet about it too. You know, bands crawled, bands literally crawled through this shit. To get to the point where someone can sit there in a backstage room on a show they had no hand in booking. On a tour they had no hand in deciding, routing. They probably were kept out of the conversation as to who is also on the bill. There's also probably plenty of times where these people who are bitching about the merch cuts also happen to have nothing to do with the fucking bartering because they're playing one to three out of five fucking bands. And it's just like this stupid dog whistle to get people all fucking hyped up. And the simple thing is this, is really where you stand in the position that you are working in as a whole, as a hardcore person. This is also a lesson I'm saying back to myself about this fucking podcast, about these flyers, about this shit that we're working on now. There's time to talk about it and there's time to be about it. Lately, I've been putting a lot of effort into trying to, instead of doing the ADHD shuffle where they believe the ADHD people create emergencies, or urgency rather, by stacking up work and then trying to knock it all out. I wish that was the case. There's just some times where my brain is so fucking frazzled. Or like this week with this finger. You would think that I broke my damn leg with how sore my body feels on my left side of my body from the stupid finger and the open wound and the infection. But there's this time where I have to put some inkling of effort into this shit every single day. Otherwise, I'm going to just one day be excluded from the game because I didn't do the fucking job on point and on time and this shit's not successful enough. And where this goes with this merch cut thing I'm talking about is, this is a pretty simple thing. If your goal, at the end of the day, is to be a headlining band in a giant room. Maybe it's not a giant room. Maybe it's a 25 or the 3,000. Maybe a, a mid-sized room, 5,000 people. Well, then you got to just deal with this is what the fuck this is. Jay-Z's not on the fucking internet bitching about merch cuts. Dude doesn't even look at the merch, how many shirts he sold every day. You know, like, this is the shit that, like, that, like, peasant people who want to pontificate and show off, like, this is, like, you know, we're so hard, 
you know, like, we're so hard up for this. This is really crippling us. Well, then, you know what, man? Maybe this is too fucking much, you know? I think for me, specifically, I, I, I will say this. I've never had to deal with taking merch cuts from bands. Because there's no reason for me to. You know, I get the room. And, and my business is simple. Hey, I'm not going to ask you about your bar. I want the shows to be all ages. And let's not take the money from the bands. And, you know, we do enough business in the rooms that we've done that not only do we continue to do the rooms, now these rooms are going to agents or other bands are seeing the success of these fucking shows we do in this room. So now they're getting, oh, well, you do this. Why don't you guys do this? And we'll just deal. You know, like, it's a simple thing. And I think that this just kind of gets trapped in the, like a constant stupid cycle. So if your band wants to get bigger, you're going to expect to have to deal with the devil constantly. In fact, the, you know, there's that whole thing about the guy who sold his soul at the crossroads to be the greatest rock musician of all time. That's like the a, a beginning factor for all this, right? That's like the, the story to end all stories, right? And, and that's the thing. You know, like when you talk about music, we do, let's just use rock and roll because it sounds cool as shit, right? <laughs> um, you want to be a rock and roller for your life, for your livelihood, because your heart beats that hard for it. And that's what you want to tell your family. Like, I'm a professional musician or I'm a rock and roller. You know, like, that's what... That's what comes with this is dealing with the devil. You don't you don't get away what you don't get away with it. You know, um Robert Johnson was the guy I was just mentioning. And he the 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 the, the, the idea was that he stood at a Mississippi crossroads and sold his soul to the devil in exchange for exemplary, ex- extraordinary rather, not exemplary, extraordinary musical gifts ending up in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There's a weird clip you can see on the Twitter, or not Twitter, on the TikTok and the reel where Bob Dylan mentions it, um, slyly mentions a deal he made with someone back then. That's why he keeps doing it, trying to bite off that bullshit. But that's the deal you make, you know? Like, I walked into... My first haul and had to deal with some, they probably weren't in the book, but they definitely were some fucking wise guys in North Philly and Northeast Philly. And, and, you know, they did their thing and, you know, hey, we don't want no fucking problems. You know, we don't want to crack heads. We know your mom comes here all the time, but you guys got to behave or we're out to fucking send a message. And we're like, oh, it's relax because these are 16 year old kids. Never had a problem with the uh, with the club there. Um, Did have a, cl- a problem with a club where the guy beat us on the door money and he got smashed out and the cops, there's a the show's on YouTube. I won't um, incriminate anybody or myself in this, but yeah, it's a famous Philly hardcore show. But you know, I'm 17, 18 year old dealing with these characters. I realized like, man, this shit is fucking crooked. You know, this shit was crooked from the first time I played my first show with my own band. The guy said, you got to sell this amount of tickets. We did. He meant that's his money. So we're like, all right, fuck it. Cool, we get to play a show. And, and the band was horrendous, but we still got to look cool. And I got to go around high school and say, yo, my band played last weekend. So I get the fucking deal, but you got to be a professional. Professional. You know, you're professional enough that you 
go to a studio and you pay the studio person what they want based upon their name. You pay your booking agent so that way they could ignore the whole back and forth argument of the merch cut, which is why you're on Twitter complaining in the first place. Maybe you're lucky enough that you got a manager. So now you're at 25% for you're at 25% for every show because you you get paying your manager and you're paying your booking agent and they're still making you get merch cuts. That's your problem. But you're doing these things because that's part of the game, that's part of the profession. And to get to the top, very few fucking humans do it without booking agents, managers, recording engineers that's a huge fucking part of the shit the people that take your fucking stank ass band and make it sound like a monster you know and then you got the fact that you got to work with a legitimate record label who has a legitimate publicist because all these people are greasing all these fucking wheels you don't see these people down the road fucking complaining on this fucking twitter about this shit because they know it's part of the fucking business so stop pontificating stop acting like this is beyond me or this is bullshit the whole fucking thing's fucking bullshit if you really come down the way if you want joe hardcore's 43 year old opinion it's like dude you got a window of time where you can fuck off in life and by fucking off you don't have to worry about what's going to happen when you're in your late 40s your 50s and your 60s so you swing for the fucking fences you do all the cool shit and then you get on track if it doesn't fucking work out. Anthony Town said a really cool thing, which has kind of been said by everybody. Anyone who has a fallback is going to fall back. And I get that. But the thing is, is not everybody's as talented as this fucking asshole is. Anthony's one of the most brilliant, well-thought-out strategists of the music world, beyond hardcore, and really someone who has the balls to live on that fucking that razor edge from... Success to failure, you know? Not everybody has that. So you go out and you do these tours and you try to make something cool happen. And you try to walk the dog with two leashes or two dogs with one leash while you're saying, you know, we're going to keep this, you know, punk rock and all this shit and, and everyone's entangled in bigger music, uh, bigger money from beyond just the music side of things. Everybody. Because that's how the situation continues. Do you think these rooms would exist where there wasn't bar sales? you think that these rooms or these big festivals would happen if these corporate people that are spending shit ton of money and just trying to make money? You know, like this whole world of music is corporate owned at this point. Very few things are completely independent. And the few things that are really well known in it is because they're iconic, they're legendary, they're fucking stalwart veterans of the battle of staying DIY, the battle of staying cor- uh, non-corporate, the battle of keeping it re- uh, regularly priced, reasonably sourced. Not everybody's going to be Ian Mackay and Discord. That's a fucking legacy. You know, not everybody can do this shit because it takes 40 fucking years or 50 years to fucking do. The way this shit works is you have to deal with the fucking devil. And, and so, you know what? I, I don't care if your dumb band has a fucking... Sponsor now. If someone starts having like, I, I'm I've never been a big fan of cigarettes, and thank God I've never smoked one. But like, it would be really corny if there was like a a band, like a hardcore band with like a cigarette sponsor. That'd be like ugh, gross to me. But it is what the fuck it is. Thankfully, we don't have that. 
I think vaping's right up there with the stupidest looking thing ever. But if that's what a band gets, then they can get them further down the line. The, you know, the vape money covers up the fucking merch cut money. Fuck it, whatever. Whatever you guys want to do. Me, I'm going to tell you to you straight. The bands that I know who are kicking ass, I never hear them. Go, like, I've never seen them. I never hear them complain about merch cuts. It's just part of the fucking deal. It's the deal of playing the fucking room in front of so many fucking people. And, and the real motherfuckers probably don't even know what they sold in merch. Goes back to other diatribes previously on this where I bitch and said that everyone's worried too much about who sold what merch, how much money they made in merch. Everybody's worried about too much business bullshit, but not even learning how to do the business. Want to do this shit right? Shut the fuck up on Twitter. Plain and fucking simple. Now, saw some shots. Had to dodge a couple shots from a couple homeboys who are upset that this Paps Blue Ribbon is going fucking hard in the hardcore. The irony is deep because it's like, yo, the same people who have homies directly in a camp that were psyched about touring with like major acts, major, major acts, legendary major acts that get paid millions of dollars. You know, everyone wants to be on the team or friends with the team or at least get on the guest list with the team who's playing these big rooms. I'll leave all names out because that way everybody's an innocent victim here and nobody has to come back on me. But, you know, if you got people in your team who are trying to get to the point where they're playing in the stadium and they're trying to be the next Iron Maiden, you need to shut the fuck up about what the fuck Paps Blue Ribbon is doing for anybody in hardcore. Because it's not John fucking Paps Blue Ribbon sitting there stroking his balls, thinking about how he can manipulate the young kids in hardcore. You know what the fuck it is? It's Carlos Ramirez. Black Army Jacket New York fucking hardcore. Around before you, around after you. While you guys are going ahead and signing them corporate deals, this dude did his own fucking website. And he talks about bands that none of you motherfuckers share on Instagram. None of you share on Twitter. This dude goes out there and does this shit for the love of fucking hardcore. And his day job is PBR. So he sits there and he goes, let's work with a fucking fucking punk rock swindle here. We're going to take a bunch of cash. We're going to give it to bands through the people that are doing these fests. That way everybody fucking wins. That's the fucking punk rock swindle. You get a guy like Carlos Ramirez who's working in the fucking field at Pabst Blue Ribbon and he's like, yo, tied down. You guys are killing it. Here's fucking fucking money. Now take this and make some fucking t-shirts. Don't give us that. We don't need to get paid any money back for this. Take all the money from the t-shirts. Yo, we're going to give you beer cheaper than you'll ever get. Give it to the club so they sell it. That way we can take some of the beer. We give it to the bands and it's all good. You know, I, I get the fucking legacy of the it's... Okay, not to drink, but you know we're we're dealing with a fucking really goofy fucking hardcore scene right here where I don't even see kids really fucking x up a lot, and you got kids who literally are fucking vaping and fucking goofball shit through the whole fucking show at DIY spaces where we're not even smoking on the inside. That's a whole nother fucking thing. But if someone is so soft in their heart. And so fucking weak-willed in their convictions that sitting there and seeing a t-shirt says it's okay to drink is going to like Cheshire Cat from fucking Willy, um, Alice in Wonderland. 
like mesmerize them and they just go over and break straight edge because that fucking PBR is in there. They were never supposed to be straight edge in the first place and they could kiss my fucking ass. In fact, I was making this kind of parlay joke and it's just like a warm up for what eventually I would record here now at the fest. Like, you know what the good thing about all this pla- Paps Blue Ribbon sitting around here is? Someone soft enough is going to make the deal with the devil. Someone's going to sit there and go, you know what? Fuck it. It's right here. I, I got to drink it. I'm going to break right now. And that's what I want. If all you soft fucking straight edge people right now are like one nudge away from breaking shit, just do it. Get it over with. Get away from us. Sell your merch. Sell your records. Get out of here. Go sit on the other side and tell everybody, yeah, I was like straight edge for until like right after the pandemic when I found shows and then I stopped for a while, you know. That's what I that's what I want. I want I want Paps with Ribbon to push these little edge edge lords. <laughs> that's super funny. That's because it's not the right term at all. I know Bob Wilson probably laughing going, dude, it's not the right term. Um, but yeah, like straight up, if if you're on, if you're a straight edge dude and this Pat Blue Ribbon thing's gonna push you over the edge, you ain't straight edge. So just get the fuck out of here now. But but back to the point is, Pat Blue Ribbon is an American-owned company. They got less than three hundred employees, so they're smaller than some of the fucking record labels and fucking booking agents that your friends have. Then we're going to go ahead and we're going to point out that the people directly working for that company is working directly with the people, the people, the people, like me, this fucking, this Bob, this fucking Curtis and Jimmy and fucking Detroit, you know, like they're working with the, and Greg Falchetto, they're working directly with us so that way our little dream of our little festivals That'll never be the Coachella. I'll never be the fucking Bernie Man. I'll never have 5,000 people a day out of this hardcore. Because I don't book them kind of bands. I don't work that kind of operation. It's never going to fucking happen for me. I know my place. And I'm lucky that a Pabst Blue Ribbon could come in, print us some t-shirts, let us make a little scruttle, put it back in. Then, you know, the bands get a couple beers. They're happy as shit. And it all works the fuck out. Easiest people I've ever had to deal with in my life. People that sat around and hung out, you know, were present. It is what the fuck it is. And, and and again, it goes back to the internet and posturing and all this nonsense. But there's enough fucked up shit in hardcore that has nothing to do with hardcore that a lot of people who complain about the other shit are fucking deaf, dumb, mute, and blind to it purposely because they know they're fucking guilty of being in fucking bed with the nonsense. And the nonsense is, like, in this modern era of fucking hardcore, what the fuck is this shit? What is it? You know, like, I, you can't ask the old guys, does this sound like hardcore? Because they're going to say no. You can't ask the young guys if it sounds like this, because they don't fucking know. But, you know, I, I for a long time, been sitting here going, half of this shit that's popular is a fucking goofball muddied up amalgamation and just like a fucking potluck shit you eat in Europe sound. And then when the bands really do come out with a real legit raw hardcore sound, they don't get the love because it's not some fucking almost metal thing. It's not some almost pop punk thing. It's not a gimmick thing. It's just raw and real and true fucking hardcore. You know, everything from the Warns, the C4s, the fucking Combust, the Wreckages, you know, the, the these bands that just, like, are raw, legit, you know, like, 
what was that dude said? Academically punk, um, academically scholar and punk or something like academically sounds like a hardcore band. We'll go with like certified by the online academics. They get no fucking love. But you put a fucking a bullshit metal gimmick or oh, yeah, this band sounds like this 90s band that 25 people in their hometown saw every fucking weekend for three years till they broke up. Yo, that's so sick. I want to make my whole entire online persona about pretending I know everything about an entire part of the world that I've never been to, and I just found out about it two years ago. This fucking shit is fucking fucking Dungeons Dragons all over again. Straight fucking LARPing. And you motherfuckers are out here ducking and hiding the fact that that's what we're looking at on stage 90% of these fucking weekends. is fucking goofballs that sit around on the internet and, and meticulously build... Like this paper mache idea of their band around like, oh, I'm going to take this rare YouTube video. Like, dude, right there, rare YouTube. What are we talking about? Get the fuck out of here. This is what this fucking hardcore scene is. That no one's saying, yo, this shit is ass. And a lot of it is. The only reason why I don't say it to the kids' faces is because when I was a kid, I listened to a lot of stupid fucking shit. A lot of stupid ideas. (laughs) That's the truth. I still have stupid ideas. But the thing is, is like maybe this metal fantasy band will get them to stay around in hardcore long enough to find some shit that's legit hardcore. Maybe if they never listen to the Raw Deal demo and they don't care about killing time, maybe this entire culture impacts them to a point in their life where they are a different fucking person. That's why I don't say this negative shit. Because it's negative. Because it's not, it's not for me. It doesn't have to be for me. I'm fucking... I'm, I'm not... I'm not grandpa old, and I'm not young buck, and I'm kind of sort of right in the fucking middle of too old for the young kids and too young for the old heads. I'm stuck right in this fucking middle, and and I, I respect everybody that comes and buys a ticket to a show. I, I try to respect everybody that does their thing, but when it gets to these online fucking diatribes and this like goofy fucking personas and these people that openly academically talk about punk and hardcore and and like the fucking really thing that goes right up my ass a hundred times is like this obsession with obscure bands that just didn't make it yeah the reason why they didn't make it could be any number of factors there's a million factors that play into why certain bands did not get as popular but as a purist in one sense that i think the way that we project hardcore as a culture and history is there's tons of sick bands before I was ever born. And we're talking like the 1970s because I was born in 1980. They were probably sicker than some of this crazy shit that we all fell in love with. But they just never fucking got there. Never fucking got there. And that's the end of the story. But trying to big up some band on this YouTube shit. And like I saw this tweet and it was by the same group of retards that I fucking unfortunately look at on Twitter all the time because they're always saying stupid shit. They're like, ah, oh, Bam was sick. They did a Stout cover and a No Retreat cover. And it's like, dude, why are we talking about this shit? Like, Stout was cool, but you know why they're not that cool? It's because they don't play now. It's a pain in the ass to get them to play. <laughs> I fucking hate that. When the old guys are like, yeah, we're still around. Oh, I can't do it. Oh, we can't do it. Oh, we can't do it. Well, you're not really around. You're, you got your name right there, but you're not really in the game. You know, Stout was cool, but, you know, they never did a world tour. You know, they never they never had to worry about a merch cut. 
<laughs> you know, no retreat, never had to worry about no merch cut. You know, these bands were fucking showing up with one t-shirt. And, and yet today's hardcore scene is micro-focused on these bands that had a impact in the direct human beings who saw them. And then when this fucking internet thing became the entire internet, as they were saying, that's like the commercials for anybody who remembers in the late 80s in the beginning, to even in the 90s, like, the information superhighway. I'm like, yeah, this shit ain't never coming. And then once it came, it ruined everything. Because there's information going so fast, you can't even process it. People can't process that these bands were not now. These bands aren't now. Now, anybody knows about every single band ever if you're just smart enough to dial in, type, 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 type. Oh, that's the band? And then they know it about the band, but they don't know. Not everybody had Spotify. That's another big motherfucking thing. Goes all the way up the ass. You're going to complain about a merch cut, but you got your records on Spotify. And you're steady bragging about monthly users. Well, we got like 10,000 monthly users that don't pay you shit, you jerk off. Snoop said it best. He's like, how do I got billions of plays and I don't got millions of dollars from these plays? And that's the truth. You're going to sit here in one hand, complain about playing in a rock area where bands go to look good on the marquee, good on the number system, which I'm going to get into in a second. And bitch that they have to do a merch cut. For those who don't know, the best thing that a band could do professionally is to go ahead and work their way from opener, local opener, to regional support, to tour support. And then eventually when the band says, just a record coming out, let's do a headliner and see where your numbers are at. And then it's like, bing, 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 200 persons, 500 persons, 1,000 persons. When you're getting to the point where you're playing these fucking, these clubs... They're somewhere between 650, 1200, whatever. That's usually where the, the merch cut stuff starts really whacking people. You're doing better than most of the fucking bands that have ever toured in the history of hardcore punk. So shut the fuck up about merch cuts. Be happy that you're in a place in time where music moves so fucking fast that a guy who lived not all not completely off the grid, but you know, he recorded the two of the biggest songs on the charts in the entire country with a fucking iPhone just playing and he became a national sensation. Think about that. Your fucking dumb phone can make you a national sensation if whatever the fuck you write hits enough emotional chords with people. And you're sitting here on Twitter crying that you had to do a merch cut on a tour you didn't book when your band should be lucky that people are even seeing them. This whole thing's supposed to be a fucking blessing. It's, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier. You get this window of time where all this shit really fucking matters. And then it don't. And it doesn't because you've either done it so much that the, it, the taste is... It's like eating the best filet, men, filet mignon 365 days a year. It's going to get old. You're going to want that fucking Arby's fucking roast beef. You're going to want that extra packet of sauce on that Arby's too. Because you're tired of filet mignon. That's the way the fucking life goes. Or it goes the other way is you could never even get past Arby's. Your band broke down everywhere. You guys are fucking crumbs. You guys are literally taking fucking 
GoFundMe to get all the way to fucking back home on your first U.S. tour, and you got the opposite of merch cuts. You got fucking 10,000 shirts will never sell because your band sucks. So you go to get a job and you sit on Twitter and just talk about how much things suck. That's the fucking way it could work. Be happy that you're blessed to be able to get into a vehicle and go play somewhere. It's 11 o'clock at night when I'm doing this motherfucker. In six hours, I'm going to walk out of my fucking house and drive my pickup truck to a friend's house. We're going to drive to New Hampshire. We're going to play a show, turn around and drive the fuck home so I can sleep in bed with my girlfriend later on this night. And then not in the night, in the next day. You know, that's that's a fucking... Go to somebody anywhere else outside of music and go, hey, do you want us to drive to New Hampshire? We're going to do this thing that's only going to be a couple hours. We're going to drive right the fuck back home. Be like, no, man, that's fucking far. Don't you want to do some, see some sights and shit? No, because we're fucking stupid hardcore kids. It's getting the shit, go, do, move on. It's it, like traveling, all these other things that people don't even fucking grasp as an aspect of the whole fucking culture is a blessing because normal fucking people don't do the shit that we do. We don't have friends all over the world. We don't ha- can't say, oh, yeah, you know, we played these places. Oh, what, you played these places? They think we're fucking iron. Oh, you played the stadium? No, we're fucking jerk-offs. We played this small bar down the street from the stadium, but it was cool. And all this shit gets fucking muddied. In this rat race, in this pontification, in this complaining about what doesn't fit in hardcore. Most of what's hardcore now doesn't fucking fit in hardcore. Most of it is the the old the old stalwarts, so to speak, can't gatekeep because there'd be nothing left. And if we're talking from Joe Hardcore, I was never in a band that traditionally sounded like a hardcore band. It's probably one of my greatest regrets was I'll never be able to, if I played the band, I mean, Ralphie from the Mob see my band, and he's kind, but he I know it's not what he wants to listen to. You know, Jimmy Murphy's Law and these guys have never said, Joe Hardcore's in this great band, because I'm not. Not by the old, the old true standard of hardcore. Just put that shit right out there that I'm not out here going, well, back in my day, no, we were fucking metallic and all that, but I'm saying it's worse now. It was bad when I was in my teens, and it's worse in my 40s. Most of this shit that I see, my perspective, is back to what I say time and time again in these interviews and in these little shorts that I do, where hardcore punk is still just a little bit easier to get into and play the small rooms. Because it's not, yeah, there's bands with booking agents and managers, but it's kind of unnecessary until you get to the point where you're headlining 500 people 30 days um, a fucking all over the country. But you can get in and just play. You can get in and play these shows easy. And a lot of these bands sneak in that way. And as soon as they get a little buzz, boom, they're off. And they're out. They picked up the little bit of entry that they needed to get the ball rolling. The juice is flowing. People that know them. And they roll with it. And I think for a lot of people who play in these musical acts that profess hardcore and do all this shit, a lot of them, if faced with the deal with the devil, would say... Yes, I will leave the standard hardcore world and go on and do these fucking tours. I'm going to tell you that the most honest thing in the world that I can say is that, I've said it a couple different ways on the show, is that if you would have told me I could tour for a living, I would have been less happy than figuring out a way to do the Union Concrete shit tour when I can and have the chaos of trying to make everything work because maybe I'm just a Philly dude who just knows that like that 
you know, my dad died at 49. No pension, no annuity, no health care. He was a crumb, so it is what the fuck it is. But, you know what I mean? Like, the good guys in our neighborhood always told us, you know, get these union jobs with these with these pensions, annuities, and these health cares. Because when you're older, you're going to need it. And I never wanted to stake everything. I didn't want to take all the chips and slide it over onto the board. And, and make these deals with these devils. That this is going to be my life. When I knew from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. Sometimes, you know, different hours. I can go out and make more money than the people who are doing this deal right now. Are going to do. Might take me my entire career 35 years. But I'm going to make more money for myself. Have all the things I want. Still be able to be a hardcore dude. Still be able to put on hardcore shows. Now I get to talk into this microphone, which is so fucking weird. And I still get to do all this shit. That's the deal with the devil I wouldn't make. But when I see these people out here trying to do deal with their deal, they're not playing it fair. They're not playing it right. They're they're hiding cards. They're 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 especially in the hardcore world. Now some of this stuff that I talked about earlier came from a, like a whatever you want to call it, rock or fucking whatever, more bullshit. Whatever bullshit that band was on was some bullshit. I don't even want to fucking define it. But, you know, a lot of this, a lot of these fucking people here that when they show up, we give them the gold treatment as we should. We show them the ropes as we should. We build their bands up. We support them. They learn the ropes. They do their thing. And then, boom, they're off and they're already off. And they're thinking, they're thinking machinations. They're thinking, um, Literally, like, MacArthur, uh, Rommel-level, you know, fucking plans upon plans and strategies to take over the fucking world. And then, boom, they're just dying to ex- uh, escape being lumped in as just, like, a hardcore band. It's every fucking dickhead's dream. And you see the bands do it time and time again. They build up. They're everyone's favorite. They self-inflate their egos. They fly up like the fucking... Um, Hot air balloon and then the fucking bubble pops. They pop back down. Maybe they do the record that you want to hear again, but it doesn't sound as well because now they're all looking goofy. Or maybe they don't play that one song because, you know, they don't like it anymore. You've seen this shit so many times. That's the shit that made me just never want to be that. You know, I know I'm not talented enough. (laughs) I could just talk real rap. Not talented enough. Uh, I like eating cheesesteaks and hanging out with the homies. I like coming home from tour and just getting back into reality. I like being up before the sun sets or being up before the sun rises, working when the sun drops down in the winter. I like being outside. I like working with my hands. I like going home, feeling like every part of my body's sore, but that the check will be worth it. These are the things that were ingrained in me before I started playing in bands, like on a serious level. I played in my first band and then I took time off. I started working outside with these Irish dudes, getting $60 a day, doing stucco, getting made fun of, working sun up to sundown for $60 a day. Now, on my paycheck side, my wages alone are like $42 an hour. I think my entire check, I get $74 an hour. So as a 43-year-old man, I make in one hour what would take me an entire day to do when I was 17 and 18 years old. And that's why I didn't do this shit. But I still love this fucking shit with my whole heart. And I embrace everybody that walks in this fucking door and has a chance, has a dream, and wants to do this shit. But I'm getting fucking tired of hearing 
the what about this and shitting on other people. This fucking Carlos and Bab- Paps Blue Ribbon are doing things to help. Help. They're fucking helping. Most of these people that come in the doors of these hardcore scenes, the bands, these agents, these managers, these labels, it is a absolute capitalization for them. They're trying to capitalize on what has been a structure of existence for over 40 fucking years. That's their main goal. They may support it. They may like it. They may be from it. But at the end of the day, they're thinking, how to uh, how are we going to gain money on it? And here's the other turning point of the Passport Ribbon. Whether or not they gave us the money for the fest to do this, I would say the same stupid shit. Because I don't have control of what fucking dumb beer or liquor is sold at the venue, but I know that they sell Pabst Blue Ribbon. So for one fucking time in my entire stupid life of doing these damn shows and fests, the fucking beer that's sold at the venue that is making the venue more money than I ever made off of the fucking thing. We're getting a little, how how you doing, Joe? Let's keep you guys in operation. You know, the Pabst Blue Ribbon money is going to be making sure that I'm going to have a full fucking operating office shit. So that way everything's going to be, what did the kids say, on fleek or something? Like, this shit is going to be a lot more organized. I had a bad August. This finger ain't helping. But the things that we get subsidized, the extra money that comes in, it doesn't go for me to buy a new truck. It's going to go to so that way I can print more flyers and we can get more shit and we can have better software to make better flyers and do the things we need to fucking do so these whole things continue to go because that's what happens when you have a small fucking operation i don't like to call it a business because i'm really bad at being a business person because at the end of the day i just wanted to operate and continue i want this whole thing that i do been doing to operate and continue these things that i get from something like Passport Loon is a lot less evil than working with some dickhead band for two years before they decide they're going to blow up and then they don't talk to us anymore until they do their record that everyone loved and then they say, hey, do you want to help co-promote? It'd be great to see you guys again. Now, I'd rather take some money from Passport Loon so we have some more shit in the office. I know that I could shake the hand of the guy who helped us stay afloat and make it happen. If there's any more questions or any, uh, anyone who want to come on here and debate with me, I, I would love to have it. Hardcore is in a fantastic, amazing fucking place right now. And what happens is people start picking at bullshit and start making mountains out of molehills of their own making. You've never seen anybody in these older bands deal with this shit because they either don't deal with it because it's so fucking hard ingrained in them that they won't play a show with a barricade. They won't play shows. More bands will not play shows with barricades than more bands will play shows and not do merch cuts. Because at the end of the day, the barricade is the show. Some bands deal with it. Some bands fucking won't deal with it. The bands that do the merch cuts, they'll be, ah, it is what the fuck it is. At the end of the day, we're not. they might not even be the people selling the merch that day. But I'll tell you what, I've had some of the biggest bands in the history of punk rock, a.k.a. Cox Bar and shit like that. They never complained about anything. Their people serve merch. They do what they got to do, and they're fucking kings of, on the planet. 
And I gotta look at this Twitter once a fucking month and see someone bitching. And um, again, if you're if you're upset that bands um, are getting sponsored by things, you know I don't know what to tell you. I think anything that matters, it's just a little goofy. There's a irony. There's a silliness to think that you know there used to be these zines that existed. Their whole point is to point out. The contradiction of being a hardcore punk band being sponsored by a major brand, and then you can get into the whole well, you know, they sell meat and all this. Brand recognition is a huge part of this culture, it's a huge part of the industry, it's a huge part of the way life is now. And if it is what the fuck it is, I don't see anybody selling out off of these things. I think some people are getting subsidized, I think some people are junior rock stars in their heads from the time they were raised. So it just doesn't surprise me that they end up being in these special bands or they end up being these special creatures in our little scene. And they love the font in front of everybody and act the way they act. And I know how to describe how they act because you know who the fuck I'm talking about and what the fuck I'm talking about. And it's been that way for 40 years. There's always these special people that just want to flaunt around and just be above everybody else and be like, the, you know, the bell of the ball whatever the fuck it is, and those people will have no problem working with the shit, and those people who are diehard, ready to fucking scrap it out, I'll never take this money from this bullshit fucking company, fuck you, that guy's gonna be miserable forever probably, and probably still spends the money behind your back, he goes to that place at 1.30 in the morning, it's the only place that open and gets a taco, you know, it's the way it works, people are fucking crazy, I love hardcore punk, I hate this stupid shit, I uh, hope I didn't talk too long for you. And next week we will have some much cooler shit than what I just said. T-I-H-C podcast, phillyhcshows.com. Once again, um, this is going to be the craziest couple weeks of hardcore shows that I've seen in a while. And it sounds like it's going to turn into a couple months of hardcore shows. So wherever you're at right now, you're probably going to see one of the best times for so many fucking shows. So don't sit in the house. Go see some shit. Bye-bye.